What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blairless Podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with Njira Perkins, freelance journalist for Afrotech 2190 and Shadow and Act. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thanks for making the time. So I'm really excited to jump into your career journey just because a lot of the Blairless followers are really all about either having a nine to five and having a side hustle, or they do the freelance thing full time. And I get so many questions about, you know, time management and prioritizing and getting to where you are to really be able to do that. So before we jump into it, I really like to start at the beginning on this podcast. So where are you from and what did you want to be when you grew up? So I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm born and raised here. I'm growing up I don't even know if I knew what I wanted to do growing up. I think I had a, a lot of different aspirations. Um, originally, I went off to college um, to pursue, I guess, a career in medicine in some form or fashion. So that was the original plan. But of course, uh, life had other plans. It's so funny. That's why I love asking that question, because it's never what you're doing now. It's always something completely different. And I love seeing sort of that difference. So talk to me a little bit about your career journey and how you got to where you are. Yeah, so my career as a writer actually started back in college, my sophomore year. Um, I wasn't happy with my major. I was a kinesiology major originally when I got to college. And then about like halfway through my sophomore year, I wasn't happy. I didn't like the program. I just wanted something new um, and something I could be passionate about. So um, I reached out to um, another student on campus. I went to Temple University. Um, She was running her own publication called Black Affiliated. And I wanted to get into writing. So I just reached out to her randomly like, hey, I'm interested in writing. Like, how do I get started? So she helped me get my start. I started off as a staff writer for them. um, And I worked with them for about a year and a half. And then I kind of branched off and tried to find my own path. I went off to uh, write for other publications like Lentique, on the demo tape, the gumbo and so forth. And then that's kind of what led me to Afrotech, just having that writing background, a friend referred me to that job, and I got it, like, so unexpectedly, Um, and I got it around the same time I got my full-time job in PR, so I was doing that for an entire year, juggling both, and then I've just recently started freelancing full-time, so that's, like, the whole career story. (laughs) It's so interesting that you have experience on both sides of the spectrum, because that's really rare, especially if you work in PR, you're always like pitching to different journalists. So did having both of those different experiences, do you think made you like more well-rounded or approach journalism differently? Yeah, definitely. I think it gave me um, experience and I never felt like they conflicted just because the kind of writing that I did didn't conflict with the kind of PR that I was doing. So didn't feel like I was, I guess, like cheating in a sense. So um, having that background, it was cool. I got to know both sides and I definitely, um, as a publicist, I got to know like the life of a journalist and what they experienced just made me um, better at my job and like know how to approach them better. So I um, definitely think it helped, but I think ultimately I figured out what I really wanted to do. So uh, it's journalism full time now. So what is a typical day like for you? My day to day, 
a lot of it consists of just writing. So I wake up, I pitch my stories, um, if they get approved or not, those are the ones that I work on. And that's pretty much what I spent half my day doing. I start off writing for Afrotech and then I move on to 2190 stuff. And then about in the afternoon is when I schedule all my interviews and calls and stuff. So that's when I get to talk to different people for future stories, features, whatever. Um, and that's pretty much my day to day. I spend most of my time writing, but it's also planning pitches, planning features ahead of time. So that's my life. <laughs> How do you stay organized and manage your time? Oh, I am a huge neat freak. I've always been. I've been like super big on organization. So I've been doing uh, that for like, I guess my whole life. Like even my mom will tell people like she was weird growing up. Like she had folders and dividers and all kinds of sorts of planners and stuff, always staying organized. So um, that's just something that's always been instilled in me. Um, and I definitely think it's helped me as a journalist, just because as a freelancer, you don't have someone there to, I guess, not really hold your hand, but someone to keep you um, on task all the time. It's really, you have to be a self-starter and really um, be motivated by yourself. So I think that definitely helped me and that organization um, is needed, especially in, in my case where I write for different places all the time. So I have to know what's going on. So yeah, organization is huge with me. <laughs> Do you have any websites or programs that you use that would be a good resource maybe for some of the listeners? Yeah, so I don't know if I should be saying this, but um, Blavity, um, I think all use Asana if anyone's familiar with it. It's a kind of like scheduling system. So we all use it to uh, schedule our stories, build out our content calendars. So um, we organize it by the different publications and websites. So that is a huge help for me because deadlines get like so crazy on my end. So that's extremely helpful, helping me stay on task, know what I have coming up, what I need to be working on and so forth. So Asana is a huge help. Google Calendar is also my best friend because if it's not on my calendar, I'm gonna forget about it. So I use Google Calendar and reminders every single day. That keeps me on task. Same, I have to echo that. Like I legit could not live without my calendar. I, my brain has so many tabs open, which I'm sure yours does too, where I need to write everything down. And I, I use a program called Trello. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's more of like a project management tool. So you kind of have like different boards and you're able to categorize by what you need to get done per project. And you sort of like drag it over when you're done. And it's a tool that I stand behind hundred percent because that with my Google calendar, like couldn't function. Yes, exactly. The project management uh, sites, we need those. Like <laughs> Yeah. And so before the Blair List was a podcast, it actually was a fashion and music blog when I lived in New York all the way back in 2013. So I have a writing background also. I never did it really like as professionally as you, but it's really challenging sometimes, you know, especially with my friends who are also freelance journalists. When I talk to them, really, you have to have your own personal brand on social media as well, like for who you are, because once you pitch to a new company, they kind of have to like check out who you are and make sure you're embedded in the industry that they're focused on. So are there any things that you do in particular to focus on your personal brand? Like, do you use LinkedIn a lot? Do you map out a content calendar for yourself specifically? I don't know if I have like a specific formula that I follow, but I think just me, um, really working my connections. Um, that's what motivates me. And then me just doing this full time now 
that's just so motivated. Like, this is my job. Like, I have to, <laughs> I have to write, I have to get stories done if I want to support myself. So I think that's the main <laughs> thing that keeps me going. But I think you also just have to have that passion, you know, as a freelancer, you're doing everything on your own. You're getting work, you're posting it on social, you're promoting it. Like, you have to be your own brand. And I was speaking to someone about this today. Like, that is so important as individuals and creatives as we're moving through this industry and these spaces. We have to be our biggest advocates. So no one is going to sell yourself like you. So you have to take pride in your work, uh, be diligent about uh, working your connections, networking, uh, really putting yourself out there because no one else is going to do it for you. Like if you want to make a career out of this, you have to be in it. So, yeah. <laughs> 100% agreed. I love that. So did you have like a specific moment that really made you want to do it full time? Because I imagine you have to constantly inspire yourself to keep pushing through. I don't know if I have a specific moment. I think it was just um, a culmination of stress and also (laughs) this is what I need to be doing. And I need to stop holding myself back. Um, Not to say like I didn't enjoy PR. I love my job in PR. I love the agency that I was with and everyone that I work with. But I just really uh, got to that point where I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I knew I wasn't doing it to my fullest capacity. So I had to let go of one thing to pursue this uh, fully. And I've been 100% happy with my decision. Um, I love doing this full time. It's what I've always wanted to do. Before I even, I guess, graduated college, when I was thinking about uh, career paths. I didn't think I could pursue journalism full-time, like as a career, as a profession. I didn't take it seriously enough, I don't think, to where I thought this is substantial in supporting myself. I think that was the biggest fear. Um, and another friend of mine uh, mentions to me too, she's a freelancer also, just that fear of being broke, I think is a lot, for a lot of us, that's why we go to college and we think I have to be a doctor, I have to be a dentist or something in that capacity where we feel secure enough in our careers and our, our, our lifestyles, but I don't regret doing this full time. This is what I was destined to do, I believe. So I'm 100% happy. <laughs> 2020 was a crazy year. And with COVID, it affected a lot of people's lives, especially professionally, especially for those who were already working at home and doing the freelance thing full time. So how did quarantine slash COVID affect your creative process? And was there anything positive that came out of it? I think, and it's it's so weird to say because it's a pandemic, people are getting sick and people are dying. It's weird to say I got things positive out of it, but I think it really helped me. Like, I don't think I would have been able to do half the things that I did over the last year had the pandemic not forced us to sit still and stay at home, you know, working um, two jobs at the time. Before the pandemic, I was working at PR and I was writing on the side. Um, it probably would have been difficult to juggle those both just in an office all the time. I don't know how long I planned to do it. I was just trying it out at first. So I think the pandemic gave me an opportunity to explore writing more um, in that full capacity. So I think it was great on my end. I got a lot of opportunities. Um, everyone just being inside, everyone is online all day. So you have nothing else to do but talk to people get to know people network like I before uh quarantine I don't think I was so well versed in the writers community like on social media as I am now and I'm thankful for that because a lot of those people that I've connected with and I've built relationships with they've helped me get better opportunities put my name out there they've you know they've helped me so much so I think quarantine and the pandemic helped me 
establish a career in this and let me know that this is actually something that I can do as a profession. What do you do when you have writer's block or creative block? <laughs> I love this question because now uh, I don't get writer's block anymore. And I, I think it's just because I've gotten in this routine over the years. Uh, when I first started writing, I didn't have a structure. I don't have a formal journalism background. It's not what I got my degree in or anything. So I'm really self-taught. So um, it's been a lot of trial and error over the years, just teaching myself discipline, um, getting more in the habit of writing every day. And I think um, writing for Afrotech definitely um, gave me that structure um, and forced me to actually crank out multiple stories in a day, every day. So I think that's been extremely helpful for me. But yeah, I don't, I don't really get writer's block anymore. I don't have an opportunity to have writer's block because I always have stories coming down the pipeline. So um, I'm blessed to say that because I, I know that experience writer's block is not fun. I used to go through months, periods where I just stopped writing because I just didn't have ideas. I didn't have the will or motivation to write. So I'm blessed to say like that is not an issue for me anymore. <laughs> Well, that's amazing because that's the number one thing that I hear from all of my friends that are writers that, you know, like any job, really, you go through times where you're more inspired than others and you kind of have to like motivate yourself when you don't really want to write. But I guess that just goes to show that you're passionate about the things that you're writing about, which is mostly yeah. around like music and pop culture. So what about that inspires you? Like, why do you choose to write about those topics? Well, music helped raise me, you know, before I, I don't even think I was out of the womb yet. My mom used to play music <laughs> for the first time. So like- What did she a, play? All types of things. She'll tell stories. Like I was probably like a toddler and I was singing. I think she would play like Mary J. Blige and Deborah Cox. And I would like try, I wasn't talking yet, but I would try my best to sing the songs. Like it was, it was insane. That's she so played cute. a lot of R&B. <laughs> That's where my love for R&B comes. She played a lot of that. Um, um, Pam Hall, um, Indiari, those soul artists, you played a lot of those people growing up. So that's where the music passion comes from. It's just, I've been around it all my life, so I can't escape it. Um, <laughs> and in pop culture, I think it should, music and that go hand in hand. So uh, totally. the interest was natural. So. so you've written some really amazing album reviews. I want to know which album was your favorite that you've written about? See, this answer depends on the day because I'm so You have decisive. to choose one. I have to choose one. Okay. Um, I think my favorite one to do, I did one on Erica Badu's Mama's Gun for the 20th anniversary. And I think that was a favorite because one, I think that's the longest album review I've ever written in life. <laughs> and two, I think I have such a connection to that album, especially as a, an adult now, and I can actually understand the album and like what it represents and what it means. Um, I just had that special connection to it. So it just felt natural putting that piece together. Um, I, I think I did it in like less than a week. Um, but I think that was a favorite because I just had a natural connection to it. Um, Erica Badu is someone else that like another artist that I grew up on her music. So um, it was fun to do that. And yeah, I think that I'll say that one. <laughs> I love that. Are there any R&B artists that are on the rise right now that you're keeping tabs on? Oh, definitely. Luke James, he's been around for a couple of years, but his music is amazing. His sound is out of this world. Um, Kirby is another one. I think, I don't think a lot of people are hip to her yet, but Kirby is someone that I love. I love her music. Um, who else? Um, 
There's so many. I think um, she's from Miami, isn't she? I I don't even know, but she's so dope. I, I found out about her last year. Like I um playlist is another way that helps me like discover new artists as well. Just me forcing myself to be like, okay, I don't know this song, but it sounds good. So I'm just gonna put it on here. Like that's how I get in the habit of discovering artists now because I don't know. I think I might be too old or outdated for what's happening now. I just feel like there's such an influx of new artists. It's hard to keep up. So I think that's how I try my best to stay in tune. It feels weird to say I'm old because I'm only 23, but. It's oh my God, so you're so young. Oh my God, you're not old at all. <laughs> you're not allowed I don't know, to I feel that. sometimes. So yeah, that's that's how I keep in touch. But yeah, I'll say those two. Um, I love Lucky Day. Um, yeah, those artists, but yeah. Talk to me about Fourth Quarter, which is your Baltimore-based media outlet that provides a platform for local artists. Yes, I love the Fourth Quarter. I love what it stands for. I love that I was able to put that together with me and all my friends. Like, it was something genuine that we all wanted to keep going. So for those who um, may know, uh, Fourth Quarter was previously the demo tape when we rebranded it um, and brought it back. It was the same mission. We just wanted to get a fresh newer look so it's like you said it's a Baltimore-based publication and we do it for local artists or really just anyone in the city who's doing great things we want to give them a platform to spotlight what they're doing because we don't have a lot of local outlets back home we have the Baltimore Sun but that doesn't really cover the things that me and my friends listen to or experience or you know what we see going on in the city so we really wanted to provide a platform to shed light on things that you know don't get really press or attention or any of that so it's been dope. It's only been up for about, I think, two and a half months or so. But um, everyone loves us. They Everyone's familiar with us. They know what the demo tape stood for. So they, when we came back, everyone just naturally gravitated back to us. So it's been great. I love being able to provide something good for the city. Where did you get the name from? Um, the name came from a, I believe it's a playlist and a, a live show that only, it was supposed to be a series. It only happened once under the demo tape. So I believe we used to do fourth quarter playlist and then there was a fourth quarter live event that we uh, threw in Philly one time. And then that's kind of just where we wanted to keep, I guess, in the family, just so people have something to be familiar with. So. How did growing up in Baltimore influence you and your work ethic? Me growing up in the city, well, I grew up in the county, actually. Being from Baltimore, I think um, a lot of people from here will tell you, you know, it's a, it's a crab in the barrels kind of city. I love it so much, but it's hard to break out and be super successful within the city. Um, just cause you get a lot of love, but you also get a lot of hate in the city. So I think a lot of people, you know, when they have the opportunity, they leave the city, which is unfortunate cause sometimes they just don't come back. So I did leave too, but I'm hoping to get to a place where I can, you know, do something good for the city and give back to it the way it poured into me. I want to pour back in Baltimore. So um, I'm looking forward to the great things that we'll be able to do with the fourth quarter. And I can only hope that it continues to expand and be something great and it can become a staple in the city. Are there any artists to watch from your city that I need to oh, get familiar we have with? A we have a bunch, but you should go to the website and go check them out. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a whole piece on there about some rising artists and some some people to watch out for. So definitely go to fourthquarterhq.com and go check out those artists. Everyone's dope. <laughs> what is some advice that you would give to women who want to do what you do? Get started. I think that's the hardest part for 
anyone really just to get started and keep at it. It's hard to, I guess, in any career path to really try and make a name for yourself and really establish yourself. So I think the hardest part is really getting over that hump and saying, okay, this is something I want to do. This is something I'm going to do. Like really being that active mindset to say, I'm going to put my mind to this and I'm going to stay in it. Like once you start it, don't stop, don't quit, keep at it. This is actually something you're passionate about. I, I definitely feel like that's something everyone um, should he take heed to. Just get started in it and you'll find your way. Like things are not going to pan out the way you think. You're not going to have a whole plan laid out and everything happened according to that just get started and then just let life do what it does and take you where it needs to and everything's gonna fall in place I promise <laughs> you know so I work in social media I do uh, digital marketing for Grey Goose which is owned by Bacardi and during the pandemic I had to be like on Twitter all the time like I was on Twitter 24 seven, looking at the trending topics and it really affected me it it I think had like a very negative a toll on my mental health, just like seeing everything that was happening. Cause it was really just like a very historic moment in time. Do you feel a pressure to be active on social media because you are a freelance journalist and really being exposed to those things? And if so, how has that impacted you? Yeah, it's hard um, to try and be active on social media, especially when so many things, social media is the first place where a lot of news hits. So it's hard to keep in touch with that, especially when there are so many traumatic things that we have to wake up to every day. It's a new hashtag. It's a new name. Something crazy is happening in the news. There's a mass shooting. It's hard to stay in tune online and also stay in tune in real life. So I try my best to unplug when I can. Um, But it's definitely hard as a freelancer just because you feel like you always have to stay active and in the know and just keep your name out there because very easy to disappear from that scene like if you're not active enough so um for those who are like me not as established yet um there is a pressure to stay online all the time but I definitely had those moments where I'm like this is just too much you know just step away every once in a while it doesn't hurt um I think especially now with the pandemic it, it's just showing us that you know we definitely need to be in tune with what's going on in real life because life is too short and we don't know what's going to happen so Um, take the time, spend time with friends, spend time with family, just unplug um, and, you know, try and stay connected, but don't overwhelm yourself to the point where it's traumatizing or too stressful. I completely agree. There were so many times last year where I just like deleted all social media apps off my phone, logged out for weeks at a time, just because I couldn't handle everything that I was seeing. So I can imagine for you, it was probably really similar and, knowing when to take those breaks are the most important because of the generation that we live in. And we always feel like we need to be connected and talking to each other and on the apps and refreshing. We kind of do it subconsciously these days of just like scrolling and going and it's very mindless. And I think that having those trackers on yourself to, you know, know when to stop or even like how an iPhone has, um, like app limits, which I use sometimes on like Instagram, like, okay, I've been on Instagram for an hour today. It's time to get off. I think that keeping yourself in check like that is so important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What would you say is the most challenging and most rewarding part about what you do? Uh, the most challenging part is not burning out. It's so easy to get wrapped up in this career and make this work your whole life. But I think what I've learned, especially with this pandemic, 
Um, you cannot work all day, every day. It's not healthy, especially when a lot of us are living at home with our work. You have to find a time and a place to set boundaries and say, okay, I need to go get some fresh air. I need to shut the laptop, get offline for a while. Um, I think that's super important. So, yeah. Boundaries was like my word for 2020. Like really, I feel like I didn't even know what they were before then. And 2020 forced me to input boundaries into like my personal life, my professional life, especially working from home. And during the time when we were all really just inside scared for the first three, four months and none of us left even to like go to the grocery store. I feel like it forced a lot of people to figure out what's important to them and what, what boundaries they need to have in place to feel secure, you know, in different areas of their lives. So I'm a huge proponent of that. A hundred percent. I want to know who your dream person to interview is. Oh, see, now I don't know how to answer this question because the last time someone asked me this, I got the dream interview. So, oh my God, who was it? It was Lisa Ray. Oh, (laughs) wow. It was, it was so strange because literally like a month before um, I got that email for that opportunity, I was telling somebody in another interview, like, I would love to just be able to speak to her, pick her brain about whatever she's got going on one day. And then like three weeks later, it happened. It was so You literally weird. manifested that. I did. I did. And I, I cried in the car. I was like in the car with my mom driving home and I got a text like, hey, like I sent you this email. Like, I'm like, what? Like this person, like what? Like. I get a chance to interview her. Like it was insane. So that's amazing. What did you learn from the interview with her? Um, that I think the like a lot of interviews that I do, I think the main thing that I learned is like celebrities are people too. Like you don't have to speak to them like they're foreign objects or anything. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's it's okay to have a very natural just conversation with them. And I think that's what I try to do with a lot of my interviews now, just make the conversation so natural, make them feel comfortable. So she was, super I'm sure they chill. appreciate that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, she was super chill during our conversation. Um, I did have to keep it um, strictly about her campaign for anyone who's seen the story. It's about her life water campaign that she just um, announced. So we had to keep it to that, but she was super cool about it. Um, and she's very genuine about what she's doing the work for other creatives opening doors. That's really like her life and what she's passionate about. So it definitely uh, showed in that interview and I just appreciated the opportunity. It was so great. Okay, so who's next? We have to manifest the next one. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know who. It could be anyone. It could be an artist. It could be a pop culture figure. Anyone just right now who you would love to interview. We're gonna put it out into the universe for you. Okay, we're going to put it out into the universe. I won't say what I want to do it for, but I would love to get a chance to talk to like one of my favorite rappers, uh, Most Def, Yassine Bey. Like he, the man's amazing. He's got a life story. I don't even think anyone has documented it properly, especially like in the last, I guess, decade or so. So I would love to have an opportunity to sit with him, even though he's halfway across the world. But um, where is he? That's another, I think, I believe he lives in Barcelona. So, oh, wow. I don't know. How well, nothing happened. a Zoom call can't fix. Exactly. So okay. Well, I'm we're gonna, gonna put that out into the universe. Exactly. He's next on the list. So watch out <laughs> with your track record. Three weeks from now, I expect a text from you telling me that you secured the interview. <laughs> listen, please, listen. From your mouth to God's ears, I hope it happens. <laughs> 
Is there a specific mantra that you live by in tough situations that you kind of just repeat to yourself? I don't know. I don't have a mantra that I repeat, although I probably should, but there is a tattoo that I have on my arm that I love, obviously. Mm. <laughs> it's a, it's a my Angelou quote. Um, it says, I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. Um, and I think that's really a reminder, a daily reminder for me that the things that I go through, the lessons I learn, what I experience, things that happen uh, to me aren't actually always happening to me. They're happening for me. And that's not to belittle me or to diminish anything that I've done or my life or anything. Um, it's to build me up. And it's just a part of who I am. It's not all who I am. So that's, that's a quote I live by. <laughs> I love that. Are there any other projects that you're working on or anything that you want to highlight? I'm working on a project. I can't say it. You just but, um... smiled so big. You can't hold, withhold the information now. I can't speak on it because it's not out yet, but it's a it's a first for me, um, and it's been a learning process the whole way, but I'm working on it with a bunch of dope, dope creatives, dope people. I can't wait for everyone to see it, but um, it's been a huge blessing, and I'm grateful to even have the opportunity. I can't wait. Um, it's coming soon. It's coming soon this summer, <laughs> so that's all I can say. I'm excited. I mean, you just smiled so quickly, so it must be something major. There is one thing that a lot of people also ask me, and that's about pricing, right? And we don't have to get into specifics, but I know that as a freelance journalist, especially your prices, I'm sure fluctuate depending on the project that you're working on. So are there any resources online where you can sort of see like the current rate that something goes at or something like that, that can help the listeners? What I do, um, what I did when I first started freelancing, I did lean on other freelancers in the space and try to, you know, pick their brain the best I could um, just to see, you know, how they navigate and how they move day to day and uh, work with these other publications. So it doesn't hurt to, um, when you're reaching out to publications and trying to um, get contracted for work, it doesn't hurt to get in touch with them, just send them a high email. Sometimes they'll tell you up front, like, hey, we pay this amount for whatever. So, um, that's something I've done before, you know, just reached out, um, try to get my name in front of an editor and, you know, just inquire about, you know, what opportunities are there, you know, how much you guys really pay. So um, I think that's helpful, but also just really uh, lean on people that are in the space who have the experience. Um, it doesn't hurt to ask. Um, yeah. I, I Do you slide into the LinkedIn DMs ever? You see, this is my thing. I think I've gotten turned off to LinkedIn. I really don't use it as much as I should. I think just because get a lot of pictures on LinkedIn. So I try to stay off of there. Oh, you do? Yeah. I, uh, I, I enjoy getting pictures. I really do, but I prefer them in my email just because it's hard to get pictures on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, email. I try to keep up with everything. I just prefer everyone put them in an email, but, um, LinkedIn, I don't use as much, but, um, I try my best to still network and connect with people in there. So, um, it's a good place to find me if you just want to say hi. Um, <laughs> What 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 about Twitter? <laughs> um, Twitter, Twitter. I I respond to DMs like Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Um, if you reach out and ask me a question, um, I'm pretty nice about it. I respond or I try my best to respond. Um, if it's about a pitch, like if you just send the whole pitch in a DM, I will probably not open it. But if you just ask if you want to send me something, I'm I'm nice and I'll say yes or send it here. So, <laughs> where can people find you on social media? Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Iamangera, I-A-M-N-J-E-R-A, Twitter and Instagram, um, LinkedIn, my full name is Jera Perkins. Um, 
yeah, I don't get on anything else. I do not get on Clubhouse. I don't get on Snapchat. <laughs> so you cannot find me on there, but um, yeah, Twitter and Instagram, really. What do you think makes a perfect pitch? A perfect pitch for me, um, there's some kind of call to action or there's some kind of occasion. Um, though I enjoy, like, say it's for a profile on someone, I enjoy getting those. Um, but also just give me a timely reason to speak to this person because I do get a lot of pitches every day. And um, it's better to organize them based on dates. So if you give me something that this person has going on, that's a good pitch um, to highlight that. Um, background on them is always helpful. Sending images so I can really see what you're trying to get across. Send as much info as you can. Um, not in send a two-page email, but just send as much um, info as you can as necessary for me to understand what you're trying to pitch me. That's the perfect pitch. Just make sure I understand what you're trying to get across. And that's the best way to uh, get a response from me. What about when you're pitching a story to a publication? I'm still learning. So some things land, some things don't. Um, but I think the most important thing is just reaching out because you never know uh, like what that email could lead to. Um, there have been instances where I've pitch things to a publication and they don't go for it, but they have another idea and I'm right there. So they just ask like, hey, can you do this? So it's as simple as that, just putting yourself out there because you never know what you'll get back. And what about like in real life away from the internet and reaching out to people that way pre-COVID, were there any sort of networking events or things that you did in person to kind of expand that network? So Pre-COVID, which is, I think it's weird because I think literally like the first year of my professional career was spent entirely in quarantine. So I didn't get a chance to do like networking events or anything like that. Um, I didn't really become well-versed in this journalism world until um, last year, right before the pandemic hit. So prior to then I was doing um, a lot of small scale stuff, just I wasn't connected with anyone really. So I didn't have an opportunity to do those networking events, but um, I know a lot of people now, of course, doing virtual events. So definitely tapping with them if there are journalists doing panels or journalists doing Zooms, like discussions, like definitely sign up for those. Those have been helpful. I've done a couple. Um, but yeah, those are my ways of networking now. Um, and just reaching out to people in general just to say, hey, or whatever. Like, it's always good to just connect with people, like, and not ask for anything in return. So I think that's a major thing, actually. Uh, you just reminded me. A lot of people that I talk to, they always say, a good networker is someone who genuinely wants to connect with the person and not figure out how, what can this person do for me. And I feel like that translates to every industry. It's so important to just want to connect with like-minded individuals and you never know where that's going to take you in your career later on in life. If you have a project and maybe your friend is the perfect person to work on it with you, you know, it's more about, I don't want to say it's like a long game because it's, you're not playing the game, but it's about keeping the right people around you that are like-minded and in, in the same field, working towards the same goals, have the same values. It really is so important. And, you know, later on in life, you never know, you could be like working on a major project with your best friend. And I think that that's so cool. Exactly, exactly. Like, it's not all about what can this person do for me right now in this moment. Um, it really doesn't hurt to just have people in your pocket, not to say for, for you to jump on an opportunity later, but it's good to have those genuine connections because, you know, those people come to you first, they'll lean on you, um, and they'll remember you, not this person came to me because they want an opportunity right now. Like, right. bring you in and like, 
uh, people see that passion in you if you just genuinely reach out and like hey I just want to say hi or you know if you have time to connect I would love to speak and get to know you not for anything for me to gain an end yeah I love that so are you in New York right now I'm not I'm in Maryland you're in Maryland now I'm in Maryland until I guess like sometime middle of next month. I'll be back in the city. I, I think things are starting to open up now. Last summer, I came back to Maryland and spent the entire time here because the pandemic was crazy in New York. Uh, I think I spent like the first three months of quarantine literally in my apartment. I didn't go anywhere. Um, so I'm hoping that things are open enough this summer where I can actually experience New York City in the summertime. A hundred percent. And it's pretty crazy because I went to New York, I want to say a month ago for a bridal shower and I, everyone was like kind of making me feel sketched out that New York is not the same and it's different and all that kind of stuff. And I went to the city and it was like completely normal. Like there were people out and about, everyone was wearing a mask obviously, but it felt good. It felt like New York was finally getting back on track. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think I rode through when I left um, last summer and I was coming back to Maryland. I think I drove through the city and it was so empty. I had never seen Times Square so empty ever like and I times square and empty in the same sentence doesn't even make sense doesn't it doesn't make sense because literally before before the pandemic and before um I got my full-time job at PR I was interning at an agency right in the heart of um right by the Rockefeller Center so I like encountered crazy crazy crowds every single day like that area was insane so to drive through the city and literally just see like a ghost town it was scary like I didn't know what to think and then I almost like a horror movie yeah, like it was it was so empty. And then so to come back now and see people out and about and finally coming outside, um, it feels good. Hopefully this is finally coming to an end. I know the vaccine is out, so people are eager to be back outside and traveling again. So I hope this is the end. I know, right? Like it's so crazy. If you would have asked me a year ago, if I thought a year later we would still be in this situation, I would have never believed you. You don't remember when they were like, oh, two weeks, like we'll be fine after two weeks. And then two weeks went by and then they were like, yeah, like two more weeks. And then that went on for literally a year. And now, you know, everyone's getting vaccinated. So hopefully, you know, six months from now, we can meet in person in the city for coffee. Hopefully, hopefully. Because yeah. And we'll invite Chris too. Yes. So we can all link. Because I haven't, I think that's another thing too. I've met so many people like online like through quarantine and I have not met anyone in person because of the pandemic. So hopefully I can actually like connect with people in real time and in person again. A hundred percent agreed. I've been doing so many zoom podcasts and I'm like, Oh, I wish that we could just be like in the same room, but I know, but I guess it's just something to look forward to (laughs) for this year. So definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to eventually get to hang and, you know, I followed you on Twitter, so we'll keep in touch Yes. (laughs) and stay tuned for a new episode dropping next Wednesday at 5 p.m.